flow with the show. Hey, hey, hope you're doing all right. This is Flow with the Show, episode number six. I can't believe it. <laughs> I am Toronto electronic music vocalist Flow Anastasia, and a very, very special guest with me today. I'm so honored and grateful. It is Lori Charlesworth, an absolute shining light in the world of drum and bass radio, media, music journalism, presenting, making people <laughs> laugh and inspired. Thank you so much for being here, Lori. Lori, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. Honestly, I'm so happy that you've asked me to do this because you just also bring so many good vibes and happiness into the world. And I thought this is going to be such a lovely little situation, this. So, yeah, thank you so, so much for having me on. It's a pleasure. Oh, thank you so much. I, I appreciate you saying that as well because, um, you know, I do kind of go through, like, kind of like everybody, the sort of the negative negativity and, like, depression kind of stuff. So whenever somebody tells me that I'm able to bring some sort of positivity to them, that really, really means a lot to me. So thank you so yeah. much for that. And uh, super yeah. cool as well to kind of... Uh, uh, you know, interview you because I know, I mean, interview slash podcast, you know, hang, yeah. hang out with you because you're the one that's like always, I see like interviewing and working with so many huge artists. And I just was like, oh, it'd be so cool to like interview you and turn the tables. Yeah. And that's how I feel as well. Like I just said to you before, I was like, oh, this is weird. I'm like, I'm like, have I got everything? Yeah. Is, my, is my backdrop okay? Yeah. I was like, this is just such a weird thing for me. But, but I'm quite, I don't know, it'd be a nice experience as well just to be able to talk. I don't know, and just, yeah, just talk with you about awesome. different things. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Thank you. Thank you. It'd well, first good. off, I really want to congratulate you. I know that the radio show that you host, uh, Drum and Bass Radio on Spotify with DNB All-Stars, is the number one show with music Yay! on Spotify, and you guys have hit two million starts. Absolutely amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, th I mean, that's just crazy. Um I mean, DMB All Stars is a massive platform, isn't it? So I think that that's helped kind of get the show out there. But it's doing really well. And I think for me, it's just a, a real pleasure to be able to do a show of that scale, which is literally reaching like so many different people in different countries. And everyone's just like bringing such positive vibes. And that to me is like, it really helps me. I don't know, just just really gives me the enthusiasm that I have for the show because everyone, people just love DMB, don't they? They absolutely love it. So when there's a show like with loads of their favourite tunes, I feel like it's just resonating with a lot of people. And, and a lot of people have said it's helped them through lockdown too. So Amazing. for me, it's just like, okay, it's given me more I don't know I'm just yeah I'm really happy with it I'm really happy with it I really love that something like that can also hit so many like you're worldwide you're hitting so many different countries and the fact that you kind of get that feedback as well like I know for me drum and bass is always for the I mean for the last 10 years that I've known about drum and bass and have fallen in love with it it's mm. definitely just felt like such a community for me even though mm. um you know when I look at Toronto compared to like the UK or maybe like you know Australia New Zealand Europe parts of Europe it's it's not as big in you know Canada as it is in other places and yet you still feel that sense of community and belonging and mm. you know knowing other people online I guess like <laughs> yeah definitely I mean it, it's definitely like a, a little community that is worldwide from DJs and producers to ravers it's like it's the most beautiful thing and I'm I'm pretty sure it's the same in other genres but drum and bass just feels special doesn't yes. it I feel like we're in our own little world of like we're special we're like so. <laughs> heads all together as one it's a beautiful community I love it can I ask you this is this like you're the perfect person to ask this question in my mind 
being in Canada, I'd always sort of looked at the UK and like I've, I've never raved in the UK or anything like that. But based on the internet, it seems to me like it's so popular in the UK, like drum and bass. And yet sometimes I've, I've talked to a couple people here and there and they're like, actually, it is still kind of underground. It's not like every single person on the street that you walk by like knows what drum and bass is. Is that true? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's still not, I'm still very much like a... It's still classed as a racket, I think, to, <laughs> to the majority of people. Like, a lot of my family, they're like, oh, Laurie's got doing something with, uh, like, racket music. Really? No one really knows. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, my mum's my quite tapped into it now. But I think generally, a lot of people see it as quite a heavy thing and they yeah. don't really know about, like, liquid. They've, they're so put off by the louder, yeah. like, jump-uppy sounds that they, yeah. they haven't really given drum and bass as, like, a whole genre the chance when it can be so beautiful mm. but yeah I think I think on the whole unless it's like tra- uh, tarantula or <laughs> rudimental in, in the club at four in the morning like that 15 minute like jump bass sure. at the end of the night then then yeah it's not really a thing that's why it's so it's so big when like sigma or um the prototypes were played on Greg James's show recently on Radio 1 because that just never happens and it's like when DMB reaches through to the commercial sector everyone's like what it's like, <laughs> what is going on here but it's it's yeah and that's why it's quite special for people here that things like that happen okay yeah, so, what about, so what about so what about over there then where you are is there a big scene I guess I guess the way that I sort of compare it is even like the fact that there even is like you know a drum and bass show on BBC Radio One to me, I was like, well, that's that's mainstream. That's that means it's huge. Yeah. Like <laughs> um, yeah. here for on on radio specifically, we've got um, drum and bass only on I would say like community radio stations um, so for example in Toronto uh, there's a University of Toronto and they have a college radio and every Sunday night from 8 to 10 p.m. is the drum and bass show The Prophecy and that's been running for like I think over 20 years or something like that Wow, um, longest running show in North America I think so plug plug random yes. plug um, <laughs> go listen to it <laughs> um, and so that's sort of the, the radio scene is more you know kind of infrequent mm-hmm. but you know super kind of committed and loyal uh, listeners and, and hosts and then in terms of shows there is whenever a big headliner comes like from Europe or, or something like if Andy sees here whatever there's you know mm. a massive show and when I say massive it's probably like what's considered like probably a low to medium sized show in the UK but it might be <laughs> yeah. like I don't know like a, a couple thousand people in like a medium sized yeah. venue um, we don't have any drum and bass specific festivals there are a couple of festivals uh, that maybe have like a drum and bass stage um, mm. and then uh, more frequently back when shows were, were still kind of going in person there are a lot of small shows that are you know every Sunday night we've got church in Toronto um, used to have a, yeah. a Thursday timeless uh, Thursdays and so um, and then you know those shows I, I often joke like you could go and you'd be like the only person there or, like three other people and then other times it's like kind of packed but they're like bars kind of yeah um yeah and then but even if you are sort of one of the only people there you do feel like you're in this special kind of community and you you're there because you love the music and uh it, def- it does feel kind of like a tight-knit uh community yeah. so that's when when I like look at you know uh, videos of like festivals and things like in UK and Europe I'm like oh my god let it roll yeah. it's huge like- <laughs> yeah I mean yeah there are some huge festivals and like I, I would say I mean yeah it sounds like in comparison there's obviously a, a, a maybe a much bigger scene here but what I like about places like where you live is I don't know it's just is it quite nice that it's a bit more 
like tight knit like do you know a lot of dmb heads in your area is it like a thing where you're like oh my god we're all dmb heads we're gonna be mates now yes yeah you know uh, when i was uh, younger as well and i didn't really know anybody in the scene so i was only finding out about shows like through the internet there were so many shows in the first few years that i went to by myself because a i couldn't find anyone else at that point i didn't really have any drum and bass friends other than like on soundcloud and yeah. uh and then but i knew that even if i went by myself i would still like not feel super alone and like maybe Mm. meet a friend or two maybe see a familiar face so there's for sure that um Mm. but also because it's small I've definitely had felt a couple of benefits from that um one of my favorite memories is I remember when LTJ Bookham was in town and the the club that he played was like I don't know there's maybe like a few hundred people in there and then at the very end of the night um he was the last to play as well lights went on most people left there was like maybe like 10 stragglers and he's Mm. book him is just like at the dj set like right in front of you just like packing his stuff and like there's nobody talking to him i'm like oh my god like (laughs) i'm just gonna like slowly walk over and like Uh, hello like (laughs) i love that and i bet he loved that too i bet i bet that was a nice moment yeah i mean i I realized so in that moment as well i'm like you know while the scene is not huge here i realized that this kind of thing is probably really precious and that you know maybe if he was playing a festival like this wouldn't happen probably so (laughs) yeah no definitely not probably yeah they'd want to escape yes and speaking of hardcore fangirling um (laughs) one of my big questions for you is so every time I see you, you know, like you've inter- you've interviewed and worked with so many massive, massive artists and drum and bass. And every time I see you kind of on video or, or listening to you interviewing them, you are so charming and calm and funny and you're not like Aww. a nervous wreck the way I would be. <laughs> so how do you like stop yourself from fangirling? How do you just keep your cool and do such an amazing job like you do? <laughs> That's a big question, I realise. Yeah, well, first of all, thank you so much. I don't know... Do you know what? It's definitely something that you learn to do. I think think from from very little, I was like, I don't know, I've never had a problem with chatting to anybody, (laughs) like ever. Doesn't matter who you are, I'll chat to you doesn't phase me at all so I think I was always like that as a kid and then had that through my teenage years to now so so um so yeah that's that and then also like I think I feel like my mum's just brought me up really well in in the respect that no one it doesn't phase me if you're like a huge DJ if you're you know the cleaner in the gym Mm -hmm. to me it's like everybody's the same and I'm going to treat everybody with respect and I think that having that mentality has meant that it doesn't really phase me when I speak to big artists because I'm just like you know you're a human you you eat and shit like I do and have like mental health issues you know no you know we're all suffering with different things it's like everyone's just human to me and I think that I don't know just remembering that when I'm interviewing someone is key and it's like you know that you don't know what they're going through and I think just just making everyone I don't know I'm just happy to talk to people Mm. I think so I, I I feel like I have to stay calm and then it just I don't know it just ends up going the way it does amazing <laughs> that makes sense amazing it does I mean it's uh it's such an interesting thing because it's it's got to be like 
such a balance because I've, you know, I've been reading up a little bit about this of, or, or listening to other podcasts where, you know, I, I listen to like a lot of uh, stand-up comedians on each other's podcasts. And one of them mm-hmm. who's kind of like coming up in the comedy world often says like, you know, I'm doing all these big podcasts and I have to just remember that like they're an equal and I can't like, you know, talk about how amazing they are and like whatever. Yeah. And I think like, yeah, I guess that makes sense. But in my mind, and, and maybe it's just, you know, definitely like, like a practice thing for sure. In my mind, yeah. I like, I want to show respect and you know I, mm. I don't feel like an equal so <laughs> you know yeah I mean? yeah I get you do you know what it is it's just practice mm. it's the more you do it the more you I don't know I feel like I've been I've interviewed so many people now and I think that um something that I've seen is how human everybody really mm. is like people turning up late and being like can I swear yeah absolutely <laughs> Okay, people turn up late and be like, "Fucking hell, I was stuck on the M40," or "Oh, my cat's just been sick," mm. and it's like, "Sweet, it's like you've got, we can just chill for a bit." And it's yes. like just seeing these <laughs> tiny little bits of humanity across everybody. I don't know. It just helps you over time be like, you know, we're all just human beings trying to do our best, whether that's like in music or like doing what I do, presenting. Um, so yeah, it's just just experience. So the more people you interview, the more people you see. I don't know. You'll see that everyone's just as fucked up as you are, yes. and you're all in the you're all in the same boat, really. Do you have uh, this? Is maybe like an unfair question, but do you have a like a favorite interview that you've done, or favorite artist that you've interviewed? Um, I don't. I don't. I literally. I literally don't. Do you know what I was thinking about this the other day? I've not had one bad interview ever. That there was only one interview that I've done. And it was with someone and they were off their heads at a festival and he was quite rude to me. Mm. But I've, you know, it's fine. Like, I can appreciate mm. that he was maybe, you know, had too many panda pops and stuff. Mm. <laughs> but, but, but actually, yeah, but actually, like, everyone's been lovely. Absolutely everybody. And it's like, I could, you know, that's what I love. Um, that's why I love talking to so many people because actually everyone's kind of just nice. And I think that there's a lot of people that have reputations because they're busy and maybe they don't want to hang around at the back of a festival so they maybe get a bit like you know they want to get away and they're perceived to be at x y and z but but everyone's everyone i've spoken to has been nice so no i don't have a favorite okay, they've gosh, all been my yeah, favorites <laughs> that's probably the right answer yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm trying to i'm trying to think of one that stands out i don't know i really enjoyed chatting with amc cool. recently cool. yes uh, we had a really good like hour and a half chat and it was really he said some really good things to me so so something as I've kind of grown older something that's really important to me is trying to bring up topics that are needed to be brought up so like Mm. racism and sexism and trying to bring these things up so that people like AMC will speak about them so in a recent interview that I did with him he started talking about homophobia and when he was talking about it I I, I asked him if there was anything in the scene that he'd like to see change and he said you know we've tackled or we're trying to tackle sexism and um, racism but no one's talking about homophobia Mm -hmm. and I was just like yes and when he said it I was like that is that is so important to come from him Mm -hmm. because it has to come it has to come from the top for for the people that maybe are a little less educated or maybe not so open-minded to stuff like that to, mm-hmm. to be like, oh, okay, if AMC's talking like this, then maybe I should consider it. And that, that for me, was really, really important. And I, I love that interview for that particular segment because I was like, I hope that someone listens to that and mm-hmm. takes, takes something from it. That's such a great point because, y- like, you're absolutely right. Like, he- seeing... 
it's kind of like walk, walking the walk instead of just talking the talk in that you know mm-hmm. for example when you're when you're young there's a lot of like don't do drugs media like it's not like yeah. people in school don't tell you that but like I think there's a big difference when you maybe see somebody like a big role model or somebody in the spotlight mm. who then just kind of like lives the life of I guess maybe a more responsible or uh, accountable mm. person or whatever and then it's like you know it's not just kind of something that's being shoved down your throat of like you should do this or don't do this it's yeah. more like yeah setting setting an example I guess yeah it's like a lot of um I've seen a lot of DJs talking about going sober in the last how many however many years mm. and they're posting about it on TikTok like Mosey posts about it quite a lot and I really respect that because he does have loads of followers on TikTok now he's smashing it yes that <laughs> um, is is funny um but you know people are watching him he's kind of going within the scene and he's talking about being sober and he's been sober for this amount of time and if anybody wants help with it and I just think that's that's that you yes mate I'm just like that's that's brilliant because I hope that people that love your tunes kind of look at what else you're doing and go oh he's sober oh I thought part I thought drum and bass was about getting fucked exactly oh maybe it's not sometimes and he makes naughty <laughs> tunes so yeah I don't know it's, it's 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 important to have people give good influences I think yeah I I agree um this is this is really cool to get a chance to talk to you. So I just want to thank you again. I'm doing the what I'm not supposed to be doing, which is telling you how much I admire you. So just get oh, it out. Thank like, you. <laughs> I love that. Thank you so much, and thank you for your support too. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Honestly, absolutely. I'm so curious. Um, so I want to take it back a little bit. I'm, I love kind of hearing people's life stories, and mm. you know, as they kind of as we go through the winding road of life and like the twists and turns and stuff. I'm so curious if um as a kid and going through school and stuff did you always know that you wanted to be in in radio and music journalism presenting like what what were your dream what were Lori's dreams as a kid <laughs> oh my god um so I always wanted to be an actress actually uh-huh. that was what I that uh. was that was how it started I've always been quite confident and like I was a class clown, basically, in a nutshell. Um, nice. I'm not surprised. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. hilarious to go to school, I can tell. Yeah. yeah, I was a proper little troublemaker, like cheeky. <laughs> anyway, so, so yeah, so I wanted to be an actress. In fact, I was really interested in doing comedy. And mm. my drama teacher, when I was younger, was like, you know, she, she's she got, like, oh, what, comedic timing. Mm. So I was like, cool, I'm going to do that then. So I tried the whole acting thing and did a bit of stage school. And then... I think I got to 15 and went and did an audition. Um, I'm just going to put this camera on there again. Oh, no, maybe not. Oh, there you go. Um, do my hair. It <laughs> um, just stopped filming, so I just put it back on. Nice, thanks. Um, but, yeah, so I did all... I went to an audition in Manchester, and I just remember doing this piece, and I proper put myself out there, and it was like... I hated how they responded to it. She looked so bored and was like... Looked at me like, all right, see you later. So, so then... Um, I've forgotten the question. Is it just what? Yeah, how, just like how, how you got into, into. Did you always know you wanted to, you know, get into that? Kind yeah. Of okay. So, so yeah. So I tried the acting thing, um, and yeah, like I said, went to that audition, and then it there was just something in me that was like, oh. And I've always really been into sharing music, so I was always the one at, at um, college that was sat on the computer, not really doing any work, but had playlists on YouTube so- of like <laughs> old, old like dubstep and D and B yeah. and like everyone was coming to me and be like can you make me playlists and stuff so that was my job wow. at college and then I think someone just said to me they were like you know you should be a radio presenter don't you when I was like 15 and I was like yeah all right 
like, I think you're right. I might do that. And then ever since then, that's that's been me since wow. I was about 15. And I feel quite lucky because, I don't know, I know that at 15, you're all, at 15 I was very happy and I felt lucky that I decided at that point that that was my goal and then I just went for it because it's, it's rare when you're 15 and you don't know what's going on in the world yeah. and in your life and there's things happening, but yeah. That's 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 it. That's so interesting that you that it was like first you were kind of considering acting and comedy and and I think it speaks mm. volumes that you did kind of try the thing and then you know realize that maybe maybe this isn't exactly it because yeah you're you're right I think it's very rare for someone to know exactly what their passion is right away. Mm. <laughs> yeah, and often, definitely. Um, often the the advice that I've I've sort of heard is like for for younger people you might not know what you want to do, but you have to like try different things. So if you have like a spark Mm. of a, maybe I might be interested in this, go and try it. And then you'll know for sure if if you like it or not, or if it's maybe you're not good at it, but you still think it's worthwhile to pursue or whatever it is. Mm. And it's, it's actually so funny that, that you did kind of, excuse me. Oh, (laughs) that might be a fire alarm. Sorry, just one second. That's fine. Thank you. Okay, I guess it was just a test. All right. There you go. Damn it. <laughs> I was going to say, what, what are the chances of that? That would definitely be something that happens in interviews that I do. Or like, yeah, get it. No. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's so funny that you uh, were, were also kind of thinking about comedy for a little bit. Because mm. as I was preparing for this interview, I was actually thinking to make a joke of like did you ever think you wanted to be a comedian because you're so funny like (laughs) (laughs) oh my god yeah I know I mean yes I think I think I I never wanted to do stand-up but there have even now even now because I've basically got quite a, a short attention span so as I'm going through my life and I'm like once I feel like I've got something nailed I'm like hmm I want a new project now and I have thought I have thought uh in, over the last few months like or to six months or whatever I'd love to get back into acting and I'd love to just go down and, and explore that side of things again and comedy but yeah, yeah yeah it's definitely something that I would like to maybe venture into and also like I don't know there's there's not an age limit on these things no. so I'm quite happy with going I'm gonna do you know be the best I can be in these jobs that I've got now and, and you know try and put my all into them and who's to say in like five years time I can't do some scatty BBC yes, comedy and yes. like you know <laughs> why not why not so yeah maybe at some point I'd like to maybe I don't know see what happens yeah I mean it, it's it feels like the your like you know interest and in skills in acting and comedy absolutely apply so well with what you're doing and like presenting in radio because you're injecting comedy you're comfortable on screen like on camera and on, on like being mm. recorded and stuff so it's like you've kind of adapted those things into what you're doing in drum and bass and I I totally agree I mean I think now more than ever having like uh versatile skills or different interests and different kinds of you know kind of I guess jobs or career paths it seems Mm. like being well-rounded is a good thing whereas in the past maybe um it seems like you're more told to like you have to specialize in one thing and just do Mm. that and like you can't have other like (laughs) jobs or interests and skills and stuff yeah I agree and do you know what it's something that I speak a lot about with the artists I interview is I feel like that was also a thing once upon a time it was always you know you stay in your lane you you specialize in this and you don't do anything else and it's like 
uh, no. And I really feel like we're coming away from that mentality. And it's like, even with yourself as a vocalist and you do your podcasts and, you know, your, your videos and stuff, you're quite a well-rounded uh, individual. You don't just stick to necessarily your, your singing. I think that's brilliant. And it's like, as creative people, why wouldn't we? Like, why wouldn't we do these different things that, that feed our soul and, yes. and make us happy and and explore and diff- and do different things? It's like, no, like, there's more to life than that and staying, yeah, doing the same thing. Yeah. It's boring, not having it. So I do want to get into a little bit, a little bit more Laurie Charlesworth history. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so that's, so that's so funny that you're doing, like, playlists for your friends at school. That makes total sense. I so see you doing that. How did you get into radio? And I'd love to know more about your time at KISS FM. Um, so my first ever thing that I did in radio was at BBC Northampton when I was 17 shout out Jordan Keller who took me along on a Sunday show and I just used to go and make tea classic yes first ever job in radio <laughs> literally went and made tea and just kind of sat there waiting for a little job so I did that for a bit and then I went and did um radio production at Bournemouth Uni but I only did that because I, w- I needed the time allowance uh and the money through my student loan <laughs> to to get the work experience because I was never academic I could never focus I hated writing like essays that wasn't me at all but but I knew that if I had a, a bit of moolah behind me and I had that time because the course that I was on meant that we had to go and get the experience I was like sweet I'll do that and then that's what I did so I went to Bournemouth Uni straight away started at a station called Fire Radio and then pretty much straight like I don't know two months into that I started at KISS FM so I used to go from Bournemouth to London to work at KISS like once or twice a week but I I wasn't paid for like the first year and then I think I was like I should probably get paid for what I'm doing because I was like yeah doing it was yeah anyway I'm not gonna get into that (laughs) long story anyway but yeah um so yes, I was travelling up to KISS and working on DJ Hype show and I started off doing an internship and I realised that the, the the specialist producer, Charlotte Coker, who I love to pieces and she's definitely been such an important person within my career, like such a sound boss woman. Everybody respects her. She walk in a room and she's like a wicked producer and everyone just knew that she knew her shit. <laughs> and to me, I was like, you know, that's the kind of woman that I aspire to be like. So we became really close and then, yeah, that was when I started just going up every week working on Hype Show. Uh, I've got something on my lips. No, hold on. <laughs> I've got, like, Vaseline on my lips. <laughs> but, yeah. So, yeah, so I worked with Charlotte and then, so, yeah, uh, I was working with Charlotte and then, yeah, just that carried on for, like, two years. Um, and then I kind of left there... Um, when she moved to LA and that's when I started working with Andy and Scott. Wow. So Andy, she's talking about Andy C for you folks at home. (laughs) Just Andy. Like, I love that. (laughs) Me and my boy Andy, that's crazy. Oh man. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. I really would love to know more about your, your time. I know you're involved with like the management of Andy C and Adam F and Adam F is the reason Mm. I first heard drum and bass and fell in love with drum and bass. Mm. So that is such a huge, like, wow, wow, wow moment for me. (laughs) So how did you not fangirl during those years? And like, what, what was that like? Like what, what kind of, I'm guessing you probably like learned a lot in that time as well. How, how was that? Like, (laughs) yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, 
I never actually wanted to do the job. It was quite funny how it came around because Hannah Helbert, who's another person that's been integral in my career, who's one of my best mates now, shout out Hannah, she rang me and she was like, my boss needs an assistant managing Andy and Adam at Ram and like in the management company. And I remember I'd just come out of Kiss and I was getting some lunch and I was like, oh, I don't want to work in artist management. I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I really want to do that. And then I was like, right, I'll go to the interview. So I went to the interview. I met Scott, um, and I got the job the next day. And I even thought then, I don't really want to do this still. And I thought, okay, it's Andy C. Let's do yeah. it. And do you know what? It was the best thing that I've ever done in my life. It was like I, I just got goosebumps. Me then a too. Little bit. Oh my it's, gosh. <laughs> it's. It was like it was totally life changing for me. It was like you know Andy's amazing Scott was amazing Adam's amazing and I think for a 21 year old it was the best you know job and I was very grateful to have been given that opportunity to work so closely with um all of those people that Scott and Andy started Ram together back in the day Scott actually taught Andy how to mix and then you know working with all the Ram guys I learned so much and stuff that I will carry with me through everything that I do for the rest of my life it was brilliant um and working on things like I you know hold on how am I going to say this so I I played quite a big part in a few of Andy's biggest shows which is like a career highlight for me really from behind the scenes like Alexandra Palace I worked my ass off doing that show it was like constant like you know I was really really involved in that and then seeing it on the night I just remember standing on a speaker a monitor in the middle of the rave just crying to Bricks Don't Roll by DJ Hazard I was like (laughs) I was like oh my god I was literally crying and my friend Evie was filming me like pull it together get, get a grip but yeah, it was it was good. And then the XOY residency, the first one, I had a you know a big part to play in that as well. So these are all memories that I hold really close to me, and um, I'm really grateful that they both gave me the opportunity to be a part of it. So yeah, I learned loads. It was brilliant. Loved it. Oh, I mean, if there's ever yeah. a time for happy tears, it is that. Like, <laughs> oh my god, there were many happy tears. My favourite memory with Andy actually was um, we. I wasn't working, but I went with them to. Uh, what's the festival in Northampton? Oh, I can't remember. Oh, Global... Gath- uh, Global... Oh, I don't know. A road mender. Oh, I don't know what it is. Anyway, Gary Kay and that run it. Um, so we went there. We drank a bottle of vodka. We were steaming. And then we went from there to Maid Festival in Birmingham. And we were both, everyone was smashed, obviously, apart from Naylor, who was a tour manager. And then Shy Effects Feelings is my favourite tune ever. And okay. Andy knows that. Yeah, and like I always used to be like, "Can you play it today?" And he'd be like, mm, "Maybe." And then I, he'd always play Jenna G. Feeling uh, Jenna G. Uh, Chase State is in love, and that meant that he was going to play Feelings next. Okay. So I was always like, "Ah, it's coming!" <laughs> and there was this one time where we were smashed, and I said to him, "Can you play Feelings today?" And he was like, "No, just straight up no." And I was like, "All right, sweet." And then we're we're hammered on stage. There's like thousands of people in front of us at Made Festival. And I can just hear it coming in. And Andy's hammered and he just looks around at me and I'm just like, and it's like dropped and I burst his tears on stage and we're having this hug on stage. I'm just like, oh my God, this is the best moment ever. And my friend Gary is like pulling at my t-shirt going, stop crying. I was a mess on stage. And then after me and Andy kind of went backstage and we were both, I was literally in tears saying to him how much my job meant to me and how much music means to me. And it was a real moment. And I, I, that was probably my favorite moment of, of my whole time working with those guys. Cause it was like, 
you know just connecting over music like that is really really special it was beautiful oh Little random story there so surreal <laughs> i'm getting the, the goosebumps and the feels all over again wow <laughs> yeah it was lovely oh man okay that's why i feel like i was there with you i'm like <laughs> i know i'm so passionate about that story it's like my favorite wow. story to tell so i'm glad that i finally had an opportunity to tell it amazing um okay so you know you've you've <laughs> You've worked with and you've interviewed so many successful people, and I'm curious if there is like some sort of maybe common thread or maybe something something that you kind of hear over and over of like what what seems to make this this person a successful person in this human world. <laughs> mm, I think the oh well, the most successful people that I meet are just super humble. And that is genuinely a common thread. Like everybody, all of the big artists that I've ever met, they're just sound. They're just really nice people. And I remember when I was at Kiss, I used to work on a few different shows. I'm not going to say the genre because I don't want to look like I'm out in different genres. But there was a specific kind of genre of, of, of the shows that would come through. And I noticed that there was a trend in the younger DJs that would come through and sit next to me and be like, what, what are you doing here then? Who are you? <laughs> should you should you be here and stuff like this and I was just like I was like what why are you acting like that and it's like you know having I found that a lot of the younger artists uh, I don't know maybe they assume that they have to be have this ego Mm. to be like but but uh, I don't know maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong it's just my experience but I but as I've kind of grown I don't think I don't know what I'm trying to say I don't think it's necessarily true, but I do see a common thread within the the massively successful people that they are just really nice people. Mm. They're just they're just really down to earth, and they just they're there to do their job. They love the music, and that's what it's all about for them. I think is the common thread, yeah, that I've seen. I I love that you that you say that because you're right. I think in a lot of I guess media and other genres you you see that kind of like the boastful the mm. um, super cool and that kind of thing and then and you're right I think sometimes if if somebody's just consuming that kind of vibe then you assume that like you have to be that way and let sort of mm. the ego drive you forward and that's what success looks like and uh I, I love yeah. hearing that I mean you also sometimes hear that with certain like I guess famous actors or whatever that they end up that Mm. they're actually like super nice some aren't but a lot of them are and it's so it's really cool to hear that especially if someone's on like such a massive platform and has such a big audience that they can still be uh humble and they're there for the right reasons and and that they're loving what they're doing that's so inspiring oh my heart it is I know sorry I'm just trying to get this thing on my lips okay yeah um, oh my goodness. But yeah, yeah, I know I agree. I agree. And I, I think that that is the most common thread that I've seen. And I think something that I'm keen to share with young people and people that I talk to when I do stuff like this, or like sometimes I'll go and do different things with colleges or music. I don't know, do talks for music things or whatever. And I just say like, just, just, just be nice. And I know that's a real cliche, but it's like, you know, you can be swept away by X, Y, and Z, but, you know, we're all going to die. <laughs> we're all just, you know, just like, just be a nice person, do your job, 
like love what you do and just be respectful to everyone that you meet mm. and you're going to go far and I think that that's important to remember and, and I, I, this is another cliche but it's like you know the people that are at the bottom now that are rising up if you're going to treat them badly you're going to meet them again mm. and these industries are only small and it's like you know you, cir- you circulate quickly and if you've not been nice to someone or if you've you've treated someone in a certain way they'll remember that it's like there's a few people that I that have not treated me badly but have done little things Mm. and it's like that's now how I associate that's now what I remember when I see them pop up on on different things and it's like you know there's no getting getting away from that that's just us as human beings making first impressions and that's why I think you know I I would encourage everyone just to be just be nice just be nice to people yeah everyone's going through shit yeah yeah, I uh, 100% agree. And I also recognize that, you know, sometimes it's it's hard to be nice. Sometimes, you know, people grow up with many mm. hardships and don't really, um, you know, they don't feel a lot of kindness in their life. So it's very difficult for mm. them to, uh, to to convey that. But um, yeah. it is it is possible to learn. I know that, I, I mean, for, for me, kind of as a younger kid, I think when I was a child, I was really nice and, like, kind of like a happier kid and then you kind of go through for me you know those kind Mm. of the early early teens to the teenagers like I was such a I mean (laughs) I was a little bit of a bitch to be honest I mean it's uh and I kind of it it was just coming from a time of like I was very cynical of the world Mm. and I remember even being in this state of mind for many years of whenever people were nice to me or were just kind, I either thought they were lying to me or manipulating me because there's no way that somebody could actually be like a nice person or that they were lying to themselves and they were delusional. And there's, you know, so I was in a very like, like a much darker state of mind and only later, like in my early twenties, I've kind of, you know, opened up more and had experiences that I, that kind of brought me back, thankfully to, uh, Mm. you know, just the, the kindness and the, the source of, consciousness and uh, you know (laughs) yeah that it is that you can be nice and uh and that 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 will go such a Mm. such a long way definitely and I think that that's a really good point you know we're all human we're all gonna have shit days everything life is hard we all go through these different things and we suffer from you know different mental health issues and it's like that's always worth bearing in mind I think I think it's important to know that because when people do treat you in a certain way, you can have an understanding and, and a bit of compassion towards like why that might be a thing. It's like that that one artist that I was speaking about that was a bit rude to me when I did an interview with him, even though I know he was a bit like whatever. But I, when I left, I was like, no, do you know what? I I understand that he was, I don't know, I felt like he had a bad energy, maybe he was in a bad mood. And it's like, just remember that, I think. But I, th- I think... I almost think they're two different things. Having an understanding generally for for how people behave is really important. Mm. But then also just knowing in terms of tips of how to be successful, mm. almost it's like that mm. that that it's not that you have to be a dickhead. It's like it's my my old boss used to say to me, "You're too nice," and I used to be like, "No, you're not nice enough." Wow. I was like, you, 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 you. you, you. <laughs> And it's like, do you know what? He ended up being more open to people. Mm. And it's like that. And then it's like, you know, I don't think you should be nice to get things. But I think that it's, you know, it's a fact that if you are an open, nice person, the world is going to be good to you. Mm. You are going to find that things 
come back in a good way because you're receptive I don't know and you're just being an open person is going to bring you things so I think that in that respect that's what that's where I would encourage you know just just to try and um just be nice to people Mm -hmm. but then also yeah to have that understanding is going to help you when when so when people are maybe bit bit being nice to you i don't know it's difficult you don't really know what i'm trying to say no i, I totally because <laughs> i love to the idea that or no not the idea but like the reality that especially in the world of drum and bass like it is a, a smaller tight-knit world and so you know if you've been maybe you know rude uh, rude or consciously or unconsciously to somebody that that could kind of come back and bite you in the ass like years down mm. the road you never know you know who's connected to who or, or kind of yeah that that sort of thing and 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 as you said it's not about you know being nice for the purpose of getting something back but mm. I do believe in that kind of the the good karma and, and what you put out in the world whether it's good or bad yeah. is gonna come back at you in some some way shape or form so it's so important yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it is. It is. I don't. I don't know. I. I think. Yeah. I know it's not that as easy as just like be nice. Just forget about your problems. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I think that just just generally, just just be. I don't think. I think you can still be in a bad place and just, um, be respectful. Not be a dickhead. Basically, is what yeah. I'm gonna say. <laughs> don't don't just don't be a dickhead. Yes. <laughs> simple simple as that. Um, I, I know that you also do, um, I'm, I'm curious to know a little bit more about the, the work that you do with the, the Young Urban Arts Foundation. What, what is that? Yeah. So I've worked for, um, UAF is what we call it in short. Um, it's a charity in London that helps young people get into like different creative (laughs) arts, um, so I started off as a podcast tutor about cool. three years ago, which was wicked, loved it. And then I was in the office for a little bit, doing a bit of freelance work. I've just basically freelanced for them for a few years. And then last year, um, after the George Floyd death, I kind of thought, you know, I work in the charity sector. I've always volunteered in like homelessness and I teach kids mm. as DJ and that's that kind of other side of my life mm. and then I also work in music and radio and I was like do you know what there's there's something in the middle here that where I can bring these two worlds mm. together and I can help with inequality and I can help try and I don't know use both of these things and pull them together um to help people so I pitched an idea for a program to Kerry who runs a charity shout out Kerry legend <laughs> um yeah I mean the whole team's wicked but anyway but yeah, so I pitched an idea to do like a program where um, I basically help 16 to 19 year olds. Oh, my camera just turned off again. Well done. Okay. Yeah, so basically to help 16 to 19 year olds um, from communities challenged by inequality get into their chosen workplace through work experience. So this is something that I've worked on for the last, what month is it? Like six months. So I've got a group of eight young people. And they want to get into like film or TV mm. or music, and I help upskill them, and then I find them work experience pl- placements. So it went from being this little idea to something that Kerry, whom I'm really grateful, she gave me the opportunity. It actually turned into a real program, so that's what I do with them amazing. at the minute, which is beautiful. It's like yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, I love I love hearing that. That's that's sort of a, a thing out there. Is that that's in London? You said. Yeah, yeah, in London. Yeah, it. Uh, yeah. 
I really, I really believe in that sort of thing of, um, you know, the, the power of, I guess, creative outlets to overcome mm. various challenges and things. Um, it reminds me of, mm. uh, this, this organization I used to work with a little bit as well over the years. Um, there's something called unity charity in, uh, it was started in Toronto and it's kind of, you know, spread across North America, a little, a little bit international, but mostly in Canada mm. and their whole thing is, yeah, um, you know, helping youth, especially like at-risk youth, um, yeah, learn the tools or have at least the opportunity to to be creative. And so they'll, for example, go into schools for a day and they'll take over like gym fitness class and it'll become like a breakdance class for that day. Yes. Or they'll take over English class and then it'll become like spoken word poetry, like rap class for a day. And they'll bring in like, yeah. you know, artists in that kind of field and they'll spend the day. And then at the end of the day, they'll have like a big assembly where kids get to like sort of talent show kind of do the thing and or yes. they'll have like after school drop-in classes with like break dancing and that sort of stuff and um I spent mm. many years I guess like kind of volunteering and then I, I worked with like the the university chapter when I was at uni and for the first few years when I finished school um I was in the mindset of thinking that I might want to have like a career in in nonprofit organizations and so I spent uh, a couple years uh, helping them write like grant applications for funding and that sort of thing yeah um so but more 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 so than like what what they were doing that was such a, a life changer for me as well because that that mm. was sort of like my my whole like up upbringing was I think helped by um you know I was always kind of like writing in journals or drawing or like making up dances or like playing on this like mm. little keyboard and like that for me um yeah I grew up with like a single mom for a period of time and like spent a lot of time by myself and like all of those kind of creative things were so helped me just like yeah feel like happier feel like I had something to do um mm. you know and then I know for like a lot of kids in those kind of programs it literally kind of keeps them off the streets after school and that sort of thing yeah yeah I mean that's 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 it it's like giving them something to get stuck into yeah. it's giving them something that they enjoy and it's like you know it's the whole theory of not one size doesn't fit all and these different uh, charities that provide opportunities like rap uh, masterclasses and lyric writing and break dancing and it's you know that's that's so important to give them these kind of outlets because not everybody wants to just muck about on a piano in a, like a music lesson yeah. or like I don't know do PE or and it's just like boring it's like no I want to learn how to DJ yeah. or, or like, produce <laughs> wicked beats and this is what I see with the charity and I'm sure you've had similar experiences volunteering is you know the they are so they run with every opportunity these young people they're like it's like they've found themselves mm. and and school, school necessarily maybe wasn't their thing and I relate to that because I really wasn't I didn't connect with school at all I, I couldn't concentrate for the life of me I found it really difficult but then music and drama was my thing and I put my everything into that and it's really beautiful to see young people kind of shine in that respect yeah. when they're like you know there's other areas of their life where they're either having trouble at home or they're not they're not doing well at school but actually they come to the sessions and they smash it and they're absolutely smashing it and every time I leave I'm like oh my god Amazing. it's the most beautiful thing so yeah it's yeah it's beautiful Laurie beautiful you do life. so many incredible things and across so many different fields um I'm just this is me again like fangirling okay hold on all right um bring it back around um 
um, so yeah, I mean, I'm just so um, I'm so in- inspired by you, and I know that you've been. You mentioned like you do. You've been freelance for for several years now. I know that that's probably mm-hmm. uh, you know a huge journey a journey for you. I know it, you're essentially like an, an entrepreneur in in many different creative aspects, and so I'm curious like. Mm-hmm. What, how's that whole journey been like? I'm sure there were probably challenges along the way. Like, how did you kind of overcome that? And, and especially, I'm throwing many questions at you. How did, how do you also like manage your, your time as an entrepreneur? I think that's something I'd really like to know as well. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, my calendar freaks people out. Like my <laughs> friends that, my friends that look at my calendar, they're like, oh my God, I can't even look at this. It's just really <laughs> overwhelming, but that's how I work. I get, I have to see everything in one place. I'm like, right, I'm doing this, this day, this is, and it's sometimes I feel bad or not feel bad. But when I start different jobs, I say, you know, I work very much on that day for you. And then I have to move on to the next mm. one because my, that's how my brain works. I'm not one of those people that can do different things. Like, oh, da, 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 da. Mm. like I have to, uh, like I said, I've, I've, all, I've always suffered with um, poor concentration. So for me, having specific days to do things is really important and I I work months in advance like I know what I'm doing right up until August like middle of August now like everything's in the diary so yeah I've trained myself to be organized which is good um what was your first question it was uh oh it was about being freelance Yeah. yeah so oh my god being starting off being freelance was a huge struggle and I'm sure anyone that is a freelancer can relate so I left my job with Andy and Scott um quite arrogantly thinking oh just I've just left a job managing Andy say I'm going to be able to just surely go and get another job Mm. doing something you know that was my mentality not my mentality but I thought I was very naive and thinking that I've done a few different things now I can just kind of hopefully get a different role like role straight away and it wasn't the case at all so I left there without a different job and then that's when I went freelance out of no choice really I, I applied for loads of different things I went and spoke to loads of my mates that, li- that work in different companies in music and I was just like you know have you got any work and I didn't have anything and it was a really difficult time for me mm. that that first maybe the first year I really struggled I did a lot of promo I did a lot of like um I was working by on like burger vans at festivals mm. and like doing different you know pub, pub jobs I was doing anything to make money um so yeah it was that was difficult and then eventually you know you I was still networking and still talking to people and then opportunities started arising, but there's no dispute in the the whole freelance, you know, when you first get started, it's very difficult, Mm. I think, to to get on your feet and make some proper money. Like, yeah, you, I I think unless you fall on your feet, which is probably, you know, I hope that most people do, but I think it's probably a rarity. Mm. I think you, I don't know if I maybe expect to do whatever you can in terms of like bar work and stuff to get, to get, yourself going really mm-hmm. you gotta pay you gotta pay, you gotta pay your rent mm-hmm. your rent has got to be paid and that's as simple as that right and you're like kind of right in the thick of uncertainty and mm. adapting to change and that sort of thing and I'd, I'd really love to ask you if you're comfortable talking about this sort of thing um it seems like your mental health has to be really strong or rather you have to kind mm. of really work on maintaining that in in the face of those kinds of challenges is there uh yeah, like how mm. is there anything you kind of yeah. do to help maintain your mental health? Mm. Yeah, so I have to be honest, I've never really suffered with my mental health up until the pandemic. Right. 
so when the pandemic hit like I, I have I do this new thing now which is exciting where I go and like I breathe funny <laughs> but it's like if so, if anything I never did that before and it's like any of the announcements I would like hyperventilate and these are all new struggles to me so before that I was very much you know I, I think my life moved so quickly I didn't I didn't give myself time hmm. to consider my mental health and this is what's something that I've seen through the pandemic is giving my you know am I okay how am I feeling today you know relax I'm trying to work out my schedule a bit better so that I don't overwhelm myself mm. whereas before I didn't care if I did like 10 different jobs that week and I went out four times and I had like four hours sleep over the weekend and I'd go for dinner every night you know that I was just constant and looking back I'm like what the fuck I'm like how did I even live like that like it was just crazy and I think when you go so fast that you almost don't realize that so much time has gone and you're was I okay in that time I don't know because when the pandemic hit I, I got quite down and depressed I lost all my work and there were issues that I'd faced there were issues that I hadn't resolved from years ago that had started to become quite apparent in that time where I stopped so I stopped and then I was like oh shit maybe I've been working so much <laughs> like because I've been trying to just forget about x y and z and it gave me you know it gave me um the time last year to really think about if I was okay what I need to do to make sure that I deal with these different issues that I've got um so yeah so we're obviously still in the pandemic so I feel like I've come out of that now but I think I I now have a bit more of an understanding that I, maybe I do have these issues and I need to kind of like respect that and face them and, and work towards fixing them. Mm. Pandem the pandemic's opened a lot of, um, you know, it's, it's done a lot for a lot of people. I think some, a common thread that I've seen through my interviews is this really, is that people have finally stopped and gone, oh shit, yeah. maybe, I, I'm, maybe I'm not okay. Or maybe, maybe this is affecting me more than I realised. So... So yeah, that, yeah. It's also one of those things that I find, you know, there there is definitely, you know, there's, you know, mental health, um, I guess, I don't want to say the word diseases, but like aff afflictions, like, mm. you know, like, you know, actual, like clinically diagnosed anxiety and depression and that kind of thing. Mm. And then there's the more sort of the day-to-day -day stuff. And I find that it's one of those things where, you, you do have to kind of work at it on a regular basis, even if nothing is kind of outwardly or, or consciously wrong. I guess like similar mm. to, I, I equate it to like kind of physical health of, you know, if you're, if you don't exercise for like 10 years, then, you know, you might mm. be okay for that amount of time, but then maybe it catches up to you and, and does hit you at a particular period of time. And I feel like with... Yeah with mental health kind of stuff like I guess my my strongest example here is um I started meditating like 10 10 or so years ago when I really got into it and I was doing meditation and yoga every single night and I got to a place where I was like wow I this is you know I'm at my most like zen like I'm good now mm. I don't need this anymore because I've gotten to a place where like I'm good and now I just have to meditate in my waking life without actually meditating yes. but just like I'm going to carry this with me and then like you know didn't do it for many many years and went through a whole other lot, lots of other stuff um not 
entirely because I stopped meditating, but just when mm. I started back up again, um, and it's still not something I do like super regular. I'm kind of maybe a, a few times a week trying to be daily, but a few times a week. And it's just kind of made me realize like, Oh, I, I should have never like stopped this. And it, it's something that you have to, I guess, maintain so that you don't slip under or that you can just ha- continue to have like the mental clarity and not burn out and that kind mm. of thing. All, all easier said than done I'm no zen master yeah. yeah but I think it's just important to remember and I think you don't know to 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 continue these things until you've had an experience like ours when you kind of have to come back to, when you when you've realized oh maybe I should have carried on or you have like a bit of an awakening like I did where it's like oh okay this was actually what was going on and now I need to work on it so I think it's yeah it's different for everyone but it's definitely an experience thing I think because I don't think you realize that it's an option almost like my friends are constantly trying to tell me to get into um meditating and and no meditation is the main one and I'm always like I don't have time or it's like it's not on my radar and and I do feel like I don't have time even still but I you know if I was to take that time out it would be like oh god this really does help me actually who knew Mm. it'd be like what's going on here but but yeah I don't know I think the gym really helps for mental health too that's something that I'm that's my that's my thing it's like go to the gym no phone just like it's my time to work on myself and just yeah, I mean, I'm not a gym, big gym freak. Don't get me wrong. I've got like a a, a lot of timber on the old belly, but <laughs> it's like. But even so, it, even so, just getting down to the gym for me, even the walk down there, yeah. I'm just like, you know, it's my time to do something good for myself. So yeah, that's my thing. That's awesome. The I, I really commend you for that because I would almost. I don't want to put like less weight on on meditation because it is extremely helpful. But I, I would mm. say. I would always probably in my ideal world. And again, I'm, I'm obviously no like fitness influencer here either, but it's, it seems to me that like, it seems to me that like exercise (laughs) number one and then, you know, meditation. And then, you know, I know that the time Mm. thing definitely is, is a commitment. Um, I would definitely encourage you even just like literally like five minutes, 10 minutes, nothing more. I need to do it. Um, yeah. But uh, I'm not. I'm not gonna be overbearing on that. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I'll give it a go. I'll give it a go, yes, and I will exercise more because Lori is yes. inspiring. Um, <laughs> there you go. We'll, we'll 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 let each other know how we get on with that. Yeah. Let's do it. It's definitely. I mean, I was I was definitely in a really good uh, rhythm before the pandemic, and then when all the gyms closed, I had a really hard time mm. motivating myself to. Uh, you know, it is as easy as like just dropping down and doing push-ups at home. I'm at home, but like, oh, well, I wouldn't. Not. It's, it, <laughs> no, it's really hard to motivate yourself at home. So I put on a bit. Of, well, I put on a, a fair amount of weight over the last like six months because I just don't have that motivation at home. Like that whole get up and go, and that's why the gym helps me because I'm, you know, it's easy walking down there. And then when I'm there, it's like, oh, I have to do things. Yeah, there's nothing else to do in the gym apart from like work out. But whereas when I'm at home, I'm in bed. I'm like, oh, I could just have a cup of tea yeah. and chill <laughs> and like have a glass of wine. It's easier to be like, I'm not going to do that. So yeah. Um, yeah. I don't want to hammer on too much about pandemic related stuff, but I feel like I would be mm. remiss if I, if I didn't ask you a little bit about it. I know, um, you know, you mentioned that you, you'd lost a lot of work as a result and you're, you are right in the thick of like, you know, the music industry and that kind of thing. And so, um, mm. yeah. How, how has it been? 
<laughs> big question. Yeah. Um, I mean, I feel like everybody else that I speak to about it is just just trying to deal with it step by step. Really difficult at the start. Like I said, I lost all my work, was on universal credit. And this is, like I said before about stopping, is um, I did a lot of work in, in the homeless hotels like in London, they I don't know if they did that where you live, but they put, they tried to get lo- loads of homeless people in hotels. So I went, I did that and there was another project that I was working on because I, I mean, I, like I said before, I've kind of worked volunteering in homelessness for about seven years. So that felt like my natural mm. thing to do. So I did that for the first four months of the pandemic, which was really eye-opening, like seeing that and just being there for something that I thought was quite historical. Like when has the government, the UK government ever giving a shit about homeless people and then all of a sudden there's thousands of them in these hotels so that was it kind of helped me it gave me some purpose after I'd lost all of my work although I wasn't earning any money it was like you know that was what was important to me at the time so that was the first bit then I got then I got I got really depressed and down and then I think in um maybe November that's when I you know things started to pick up I got. I was on. I was on Radio One again at Christmas. Yes, and then congratulations, the, First Lady. Yeah. Woo, woo. yeah. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah. So then that happened, and it was like, okay, things are get, things are picking up now. And then the drum and bass radio happened, and it was like, ever since then, it's just everything's been amazing. I'm so grateful, and it's like my friend messaged me the other day saying, "Haha, weren't you so down though? Like a year ago, look how things turn out." Mm. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know, mate. It's like at the time, all your mates so like you know things are gonna be okay and you know I like to give that advice to my friends I'm just happy that that it was true Mm. that everything turned out to be good and I'm yeah I'm just happy that the the 2021 end of the pandemic or I don't know if it's the end yet but this side of the pandemic has been really good and I've been able to really focus on the shows and give them my all and give them my attention um so yeah it's been a mixed bag really I think well, I've absolutely been loving your uh, Lori's Liquid Hour on Wine Now as well. That's ah, awesome. That's awesome. Thank you. What's your uh, What's your thank favorite you. thing about doing that? Um, I love having full creative control. Mm. Like it's so, it just makes me so happy. Um, and I always feel really grateful being able to do shows and interview uh, artists that I love and being able to edit the interviews and being able to pick the artists and being able to like it's totally my show whereas a lot of shows you'll have producers that do things for you and you're just a presenter and it's like you know that's great and it's really easy for you to do your job and then go and do other things but I love really having like doing everything and and I think choosing how the art you know editing the interviews down so that you can help people be portrayed in the Mm. best way and I don't know I just I love having uh, creative control on that and I also love it that it doesn't just mean that I speak to producers and DJs like Liquid is quite broad so I'm planning to speak with promoters and I've spoken with a lot of vocalists and MCs and they're never in the spotlight I don't think so to be able to speak to people like Degs who was on today and Charlotte Haining and and Clep Warren and you know these brilliant artists that you know, I want to. I want to hear from the vocalists. Like they, they to me, like you guys, make the tracks. It's like your, you know, the voices on music is 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 just what is everything to me. So to be able to interview 
Uh, vocalist is yeah that's that's probably my favorite thing actually cool awesome um well Mm. I really I really commend you for just kind of sticking through pandemic and you know things things did turn out to be okay but I I want to remind you that it's it's because of your you know hard work and and perseverance and kindness and humbleness Mm, and and you know so definitely it's it all it starts with you so um I'm glad you're okay um <laughs> You're so uh, lovely. Um, I uh, I guess I want to maybe let's pretend that uh, the pandemic is over and festivals are yeah. rocking and things are happening. And for someone like me, so before the pandemic hit, it was sort of the first year that I was starting to consider saving up a bunch of money to try to come overseas and pick one drum and bass festival because mm. I've never I've never yeah. been and. I, in my mind, was thinking it's got to be Let It Roll. But asking you mm. as the expert, if I had to pick one oh one drum and bass festival, never been to the UK or Europe for a drum and bass festival, I guess I guess you could pick like Australia and New Zealand as well. But let's let's focus UK Europe. Which one yeah. should I pick? And is Let It Roll the correct answer? <laughs> I mean, Let It Roll is a very. I mean, that's like. Yeah, that's up there for sure. I'm a massive jump up head, so I love I love jump up. So I sometimes feel that my, you know, maybe I'm not the best person to ask because like Global Gathering back in the day, it's not on anymore. But there's loads of my favourite jump up sets from that festival and what I would give for that to be back on. But I don't know. I think if you're going to come over... You want, you know, a mixture yes. of different things and vibes. You want to see all your favourite DJs and you want to have fun. I'd probably say let it roll, number one. Nice. But if you just want, like, you know, a UK-based festival, it's got to be something that hospital put on. Right. It's got to be, like, hospitality in the woods just coming up mm-hmm. in September or hospitality in the park because... I think they're really good at providing the full spectrum. I rate it that they're okay. like that. Like from Kings the Rollers Kings the Rollers to Caliber to, you know, like the critical stage to like run, it's like it's right. everything. And it's like, yes, yeah, like every time I go to one of their events it's it's just if you're a D and B head and you don't necessarily care about you know when you go to festivals and there's weird people walking around like as in like in costumes and stuff and it's all artsy fancy <laughs> and like man. <laughs> Yeah, 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 and it's like, yeah, I get it, mate. But where are the good tunes at? Like, if you're if you're if you're there for tunes, then then yeah, um, yeah, maybe ho- something hospital put on. But then there's there's so many good things. Like like I said, I'm a jump up head, so maybe that's not my truest answer. That's my that's my overall answer for anyone anyone watching. You know, that's a that's a good point. I'm I'm glad I asked you because I kind of thought like Let It Roll was the the full mix, but you're right. Like there's the- well, uh, it, it, I reckon. I I reckon though it, I mean it is if we're talking Europe if Europe definitely I do, do you know what though to be honest I can't even remember festivals so I'm trying to pull from things that I can remember but I can't yes. it feels like a million miles away from me Distant now so memory. Ask, <laughs> ask, Outlook is my favorite festival oh, okay Outlook in Croatia yeah. that's that one for me is like there's a bit of dubstep there's like but like scream kind of yeah. like a banger and cokey kind of dubstep Sick. 
and like a, li- a little bit of grime nowadays but like really like soulful deep dmb and like a little bit of heavy stuff so outlook for me is the one okay that's that's what that's what i'm going with actually right. croatia outlook it's got to be done well i gotta start saving now so it's all, all of them <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah do them all just do them all oh man well we can dream and uh mm. i guess i want to thank you thank you so much for your time i do i'm gonna i want to wrap up with one last question for you and that yeah. is you know you've done so many things um in in media in radio and presenting djing all of it and i'm wondering if you have any tips or even like watch outs for people wanting to get into radio media music journalism or or even just like the music industry in general yeah um I would just say I think we're moving out of a time where free work is uh isn't a thing so like a lot of people are paying their interns and stuff now however you know free work was that's my cup of tea (laughs) I've got like a little situation going on Okay. Um, okay, so, I mean, I'm going to carry on from... So, did you get the... I don't... Can you hear that? No, but I know exactly what's happening. I, can, <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't burp until I was about 23, and I just made this weird noise in my throat. Anyway. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, although we're moving away from a time where, you know, people aren't paid for internships, I would say never underestimate uh, how powerful a bit of free work could be in terms of your career so like everything that I did at the start I was I worked my ass off for free for years and I wanted to meet everybody and it was all about you know just getting myself out there and building up my skills and I think some I don't know don't necessarily expect maybe you have to make it work but but understand that meeting people is really important and making good impressions so um free work I rate it I don't know just get yourself out there and go and like meet people authentically just be nice if you connect with someone maybe start a project and just be open to different things and as always my top tip just be nice don't be a dickhead stay humble um and work your ass off just be ready to work your ass off and i think that these industries are very competitive (laughs) but if you're willing to work someone has to do these roles like people have to do these jobs and i find a, a common thing throughout everybody that i've ever met in music and radio is that they just work so hard <laughs> they work they work they work and it's like you know you have to have that ma- that mentality because if you're not going to work hard someone else is mm. um so yeah stay humble don't be a dickhead and work your ass Amazing. off that's my i mean that's my obvious top tip. i love but- it <laughs> No, you're you're absolutely right. And thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you so much for being here. This was so lovely to chat with you. I know we've never chatted before, but I feel like I've known you from your content. Isn't that a weird like thing that happens when you like feel like you know someone, but you don't actually? (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. I get it all the time. Like I do one interview with someone. I'm like, oh, we're mates now. I'm like, brilliant. Got a new friend for life. Excellent. Amazing. Well, I can't wait to um, meet you one day in person as well. Hopefully at a festival. and uh, just want to wish you all the best with all the incredible projects that you're doing and maybe five years from now your comedy projects as well Um, I'm sure you're going to smash it (laughs) 
maybe we'll see thank you so much it's honestly been so yeah just amazing so yeah massive like respect to you you're wicked and lovely yeah thank you for having me on the show really appreciate it and thank you so much for everyone watching and listening um got some merch on my website flowanastasia.com have to try to promote myself because i don't know how um (laughs) and uh i'll have all of laurie's social media links in the description as well so thank you so much for listening hope you're doing okay take care lots of love Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>